Good morning. If you'd like to go ahead and open your, your Bibles to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. We'll be wrapping up our study here. Spending a little bit of time and in, in, in study the, the remainder of this, of this book that we have already looked at in, in detail in uh, the first three parts. And as we've done that, we've proposed this theme to the book of Hosea. Uh, the redeeming love of the Father. or God's redeeming love. But as we've studied through it, I hope that maybe you've, you've thought a little bit about that. And if you're like me, you've thought, that seems a little bit strange to title this The Redeeming Love of the Father when we have considered that the book has been devoted to God's indictment of Israel in chapters 4-7. through seven. It's devoted to God's punishment of Israel in chapters 8-10. through 10. In fact, as we read about these things, it's prompted a lot of people throughout history, but especially in our day today, to say that God of the Old Testament was so much different than the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament is all about love and is all about peace. That God of the Old Testament was about war and about punishment and wrath. He was egotistical. He was a maniac. And you know, as we've read, read through these things, we've seen some of their things that, that God certainly was wrathful. He was vengeful. He was jealous. And as we've studied in Hebrews in our, in our adult class, we've learned that God is the same today as He was yesterday. And will be the same tomorrow as He is today. God does not change. The God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. So what does that tell us? That tells us that God is still a God that indicts sin. God is still a God that punishes sin. But as we saw in the first three chapters of the book of Hosea, when Hosea's experience with Gomer and how it serves as an analogy of God's experience with Israel, we see that God is still a God of redemption. Following the adultery of, of Israel, and, and uh, to God and them serving after, going after other gods, there was a period of separation. Following that period of separation, there was an ultimate restoration. And so Israel would be restored, but only after a period of time. In chapters 4 through 14, there was another way we could summarize the chapters. God is holy, Hosea chapter 4 through 7. That is why he had to indict Israel. For her sins, because he is a holy God. God is just, verses 8 through 10. That is why he had to punish Israel for her sins. And then here in Hosea 11 through 14, we're going to see that God is love. That is why he will restore Israel. Having declared the holiness and justice of God, Hosea now proclaims his great love for Israel. And this lesson will complete our study of the book of Hosea. And we're going to do that by looking at these next three, uh, three chapters, 11, uh, four chapters, 11, 12, 13, and 14, and seeing that God is making a promise here of a future restoration. In chapter 11, we see that God's love uh, for Israel despite Israel's rebellion against God. <clears throat> Read with me in verse 1. It says, When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more they called them, the more they went from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of a man, with bonds of love, and I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws, and I bent down and I fed them. 
They will not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria, he will be their king, because they refuse to return to me. The sword will whirl against their cities and will demolish their great bars and consume them because of their counsels. So my people are bent on turning from me, they will, though they call them to the one on high. None at all exalts him. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, He will roar. And His sons will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like the birds from Egypt and like the doves from the land of Assyria. And I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. In this first section, we see that, again, we see God's love for Israel, even though they have rebelled against Him. And He talks about the things that He has done for them up to this point. He says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, but you didn't worship Me, you worshiped the Baals. He said, I nurtured you. I healed you. I took care of you. But you didn't know it was me that was doing it. And so God says, I will send you to Assyria. Assyria was, was part of the reason they were turning away from God because they saw this great nation coming up against them and they were turning and looking for help in other places. So God says, I will send you to Assyria because of your backsliding. Because you do not have faith in me. But yet, I will return you to your homes. He goes on to talk about how there will, because of their rebellion, there will be chastisement. There will be discipline. Starting in verse 12 of Hebrews 11, he says, Ephraim surrounds me with lies, and the house of Israel with deceit. Judah is also unruly against God, even against the Holy One who is faithful. Ephraim feeds on wind and pursues the east wind continually. He multiplies lies and violence. Moreover, he makes a covenant with Assyria, and oil is carried to Egypt. The Lord also has a dispute with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord of, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. Therefore, return to your God. Observe kindness and justice and wait for your God continually. A merchant in whose hands are false balances. He loves to oppress. And Ephraim said, Surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself. In all my labors they will find in me no iniquity which would be sin. But I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt. And I will make you live in tents again as in the day of the appointed festival. I have also spoken to the prophets. I have given numerous visions, and through the prophets I have gave parables. Is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they are worthless. In Gilgal they sacrifice bulls. Yes, their altars are like stone heaps besides the furrows of the field. Now Jacob fled to the land of Aram, and Israel worked for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. But by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel from Egypt, and by a prophet he was kept. Ephraim is provoked to bitter anger. So his Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and bring him back to his reproach on him. When Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel, but through Baal he did wrong and died. 
And now they sin no more, or now they sin more and more, and make for themselves molten images, idols skillfully made from their silver, all of them the work of craftsmen. They say to them, Let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they will be like the morning cloud, and like the dew which soon disappears, like chaff which is blown away from the threshing floor, and like smoke from a chimney. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you are not to know any God except me. For there is no Savior besides me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they, had, <clears throat> as they had their pasture, they became satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud. And therefore they forgot me. So I'll be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lie in wait besides the way. I will encounter them like a bear robbed of her cubs. And I will tear open their chests. I will also devour them like, lioness, lioness, like a lioness. As a wild beast would tear them. It is your destruction, O Israel, that you are against me, against your help. Where now is your king that he may save you in all your cities and your judges of whom you requested? Give me a king and princes. I gave you a king in my anger and I took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. The pains of childbirth come upon him. He is not a wise son, for it is not the time that he should delay at the opening of the womb. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol? Shall I redeem them from death? O death, where are your thorns? O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion will be hidden from my sight. And though he flourishes among the reeds, an east wind will come. The wind of the Lord coming up from the wilderness, and his fountain will become dry, and his spring will be dried up, and it will plunder his treasury of every precious article. Samaria will be held guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. For they will fall by the sword, their little ones will be dashed in pieces, and their pregnant women will be ripped open. Here Ephraim represents Israel. And God shows through Hosea, through His words, that Ephraim is full of sin. They're not just done a few things wrong, they are filled up with sin. And even though Judah still walks with God to a degree, he calls out Judah as well and says, I have a complaint against you too, Judah. Don't think that you are getting off the hook completely here. Ephraim is his, is his target. Ephraim, Israel is who he is talking to, but Judah as well has started to follow after the same path that Ephraim has taken. And so Israel is, is noted as cunning. Israel is noticed as, as be, uh, boastful. And so God says, I will bring reproach upon him. And again, Ephraim and Samaria, both representing Israel, are told that they will be held guilty for the sins that they have committed. I will not overlook this. I will not uh, turn a blind eye. You will be punished accordingly to the sins that you have committed. But all of this is being brought up so that the message of verse 14 can be proclaimed. Chapter 14, Israel's future restoration. Hosea writes, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands. For in you the orphans find mercy. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily, and he will take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout, and his beauty will be like the olive tree, and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Those who live in his shadow 
will again raise grain, and they will blossom like the vine. He will renown, his renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? It is I who answered and looked after you. I am a luxuriant cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand this thing. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. The call is there to return to the Lord to turn back to God, to turn away from Assyria. Assyria would not be their source of salvation. And God promises to heal them of their backsliding, to return them to their land. Israel will finally, he says, be cured of idolatry in verse 8. And then he concludes this whole message with a call to wisely consider these things. God fulfilled this promise to restore Israel, to restore Judah also, starting with the decree of Cyrus. And under the leadership of men like Zerubbabel, Ezra, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And we read of these in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. We can read of of how how this call or or this restoration began. This is all indicated by verse 8 of chapter 14 in Hosea. Israel was once and for all cured of her idolatry. Her faith in God may become weak again. And as we read through the, the remainder of, of the, the records of Israel and even into uh, the New Testament, we see that the, the faith that they had and the, the obedience that they had to God certainly became weak again and they were tested time and time again and they failed time and time again. Never again did idolatry have the same appeal for the children of Israel as it had before the punishment of exile with Assyria and, and later Babylon. But in the spirit of Hosea chapter 14, verse 9, which calls upon us to understand and to know what is revealed in this book, let's look at some concluding lessons that can be drawn from the book of Hosea. The first one is that God is a God of love. He loves His people. The same way in reference to the way a man loves his wife. We see that in connection with Hosea and Gomer. God loves His people. He cherishes His people. He loves them the way a father loves a child. Over in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, as he talks about that, he has such a a fervent care for his his children. And because He loves them, He blesses them abundantly. He made them into who they were. He brought them out of Egyptian captivity, made them into a nation, a nation that was strong, a nation that continued to be filled with with, uh, more land and with wealth and with power. And He nurtured them patiently. When they they were in the wilderness and and they were starving, he, He provided for them food. He provided for them water. Whenever spiritually they were weak, He gave them men to strengthen them and to focus them back on Him. God is a God of love. God is also a God of holiness. He expects His people to know His will. And that even ties back to His love for His people. That He doesn't doesn't have expectations of them that He doesn't tell them. He shares with them what He desires of them to do. And He expects them to know 
His desires. Hosea chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. If you want to turn back there for a moment. In Hosea 7, verse 8 and 9, he says, Ephraim mixes himself with the nations. Ephraim has become a cake not turned. Strangers devour his strength, yet he does not know it. Gray hair also are sprinkled on him, yet he does not know it. God in His holiness expects His people to avoid things that are harmful to them. Harmful to them spiritually. Things that are going to corrupt them and are going to turn their hearts and their minds away from Him or to to sprout up weeds and to block out the sight of Him. And He expects His people, as He says in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, He expects them to sow righteousness. To sow kindness and mercy. And when you sow righteousness, you will receive righteousness. But He expects them not to sow wickedness. Not to be unfaithful. Not to be filled with deceit and with lying and with turning to worldly things. He expects them to be holy as He is holy. God also is a God of justice. Hosea 9 verse 9 and Hosea 13 verse 7 and 8 show us that God God expects His people God expects His people to follow Him and He will not allow sin to go unpunished. He will not allow sin to, to remain in someone's life and have no consequence. In fact, he says that he will that those who remain in sin, those who refuse to repent, will be devoured by sin. But he is also a God of mercy. He will call upon his people to repent. Even when there is sin in their lives, and even though he promises he will punish sin, he, he leaves an opportunity for repentance. For us to turn away from sin. To turn back to Him. To to seek forgiveness. And to seek to walk in accordance to Him. When He was calling for the people of Israel to turn away uh, or to repent, He was calling for them to turn around. They were looking elsewhere for their strength. They were looking elsewhere for a God. And He was telling them to turn away from those things and to turn to Me. Look to Me for your source of strength. Look to Me as your God. Because I am those things to you. He calls upon His people to repent and He will gladly heal those who do. Those who once turning away from from the world and turn their their hearts to Him, turn their their sight to Him, He will heal them of the sin, the sickness that, that, that fills up and that is devouring them. Hosea is painting a very... Very vivid picture here. Not of a God who is egotistical. Not of a God who is hate-filled. Not a madman. Hosea paints a picture of a God who desires to redeem. Who desires to save those whom He loves. But sadly, as history shows us, the message that Hosea preached, the message that Hosea brought to the children of Israel was not taken seriously. Because it was not taken seriously, so many died. So many uh, were carried off and taken away from their homes and, and, and only a very small remnant were allowed to return. A small portion were, were in that restoration. Today, 
Today, God's redeeming love is again offered. It is offered through His Son, Jesus Christ. Over in Ephesians chapter 1. Turn there with me and let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. He says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. The same message that was preached to the, to the children of Israel, to, to Ephraim in Hosea's day, that there is sin in your lives and God desires you to turn away from that sin. He desires to redeem you. He desires to, to love you and to, to make you a great nation. It went unheeded then. But that same message is preached today. That there is sin in your life. But it's through the blessing of, of God's grace, through the blood of His Son, that God desires to redeem you. He desires to remove that sin from your life and make you into a great nation spiritually. The kingdom of His Son. Sadly, not many will take that Gospel message seriously today either. Even though Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> he warned here that they enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. He warned that, there, that, that, that the way to, to hell, the way of the world, is, is a broad path that many will travel down. But the way to God is narrow and there will be few that find it. That is not because it is hidden. It is because they will reject the message that is given. In verse 21 of that same chapter, he went on to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, in your name perform many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." Those who do not follow, do not follow Christ in the law that He has given to us, even though they did good things, even though they did things that to them seemed like the things that were right. Remember, Jim talked about that Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. They did things that they thought were good. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day, and I will say, Depart from me. I don't know you. What many need to heed today. It's the same message that they needed to heed in the day of Hosea. They needed to heed the call at the end of his book. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them. But the transgressors stumble in them. Are we growing in our knowledge of the Lord? Are we walking in His ways? 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 told us a very, very, used a very unique word. It said that we are adopted as sons through Jesus Christ to God. It is through His death that we are made free from sin. It is through His resurrection that we have hope of eternal life. It is through submission by obedience that we become like Him in death and in life in baptism. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 tells us that we are buried with Him in baptism and we are raised up with Him through faith in the power of God. His pastor is telling us that you were dead in sin and He makes us alive with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. So this morning, as we consider the book of Hosea, as we consider the message that is taught to that people, and the same message that calls to us, that tells us that we have a redeeming, loving Father, the same God of yesterday, the God of today, who will not accept sin, who will not accept anything less than obedience to Him. A God that is jealous and doesn't want to share us with the world, but rather loves us as His very own and wants to have that close, tight relationship of a husband and wife, a father and child. That same God today desires to be in a relationship with you. This morning, if you have not been made like Christ by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, then the message of Hosea is a message to you that you are still dead in sin. And sin will not go unpunished. There is only nothing but a fearful reminder of the punishment and the torment that comes from those who don't turn their hearts to God. But that's not what God desires. God is not desiring for us to spend an eternity away from Him. He does not desire us to remain in sin, to remain dead. He loves you. He wants to redeem you. He wants you to be alive. He has made you who you are. And He wants the same for you that He wanted for Israel. If only we would turn to Him and follow Him. If that be your desire this morning, and you, want, and you know what you need to do to become a child of God, you know why you need to be baptized, then we encourage you to come forward and to make that known. If you have questions and you want to study more about this, then grab any one of us and let's study and let's talk and let's learn what God desires of us. Whatever we can do to assist you, please come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.